and welcome back to the Audio DT with Reb T, the Audio Devar Torah with Reb T, the show where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. We have made it to the second book of the five books of Moses. We've made it to the second of the Hamisha Chumshe Torah, Sefer Shemos. This Sefer transitions from talking about the family of Yaakov, the 70 souls, the 70 nefashot, and it transitions to the Jewish people, the nation of the Jews that were in Mitzrayim, and talks about the Makos, and then talks about the ex, the exit from Egypt, then talks about them going to Harsinai, receiving the Torah, which is the penultimate reason for the, the, the existence of the world for the Jewish people, to accept the Torah, to complete the Torah as best as they can on a daily basis through Torah, through learning Torah, doing mitzvahs and doing chesed. Shemos, the idea of names, it starts off listing the people that came to Mitzrayim, even though it listed them already in Vayigash when they came, to reiterate how important and how miraculous the, the emergence of the nation was. From 70 people, it became a nation of millions. We know there were 600,000 men that left, if you add in children and women, it probably was a couple million, and we lost a couple million in Egypt. We know during Makat Choshech, a lot of people, four-fifths, some commentators say, we lost. So that's a lot, a lot of people were in Mitzrayim. Millions of people were in Mitzrayim. So in this Sefer, in this book of the Torah, we're talking about the emergence of the nation, who is, of course, the ultimate player in the, really in the Torah, but Especially from Shemos on, we meet Moshe Rabbeinu. We go from the ancestors, the forefathers of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, to the Shvatim, including Yosef and Yehuda. Then we switch over to the main player, who is Moshe. No greater Navi existed than Moshe Rabbeinu himself. He was the Rabbeinu. He was the best teacher, the best leader in history, most probably. He was Zohar to bring down the Torah to the people, to lead the people for 40 years, to take them out of Mitzrayim. He was described as a humble, the most humble of all earth that ever lived, which is interesting because he reached such crazy heights, but maybe because he was so close to Hashem, he realized how much there was distance between man and Hashem. And he was described as Evan Hashem at the end of his life, which is the best description we could get for ourselves we should try to strive for. That's the only thing Moshe had written about himself when he transcribed the Torah from Hashem's mouth. This is what he described for himself. He could have written anything. He was a great, great person. He said, Evan Hashem. But who? The servant of Hashem. Because servant of Hashem, the one who created everything, who created everyone, that's the best thing we could strive for, to serve Hashem and to make the world a better place every single day. But a lot of credit, obviously, rightfully so, goes to Moshe. But all the people that influenced Moshe, what about all the people that had an effect on him, that, that were instrumental in bringing him to life and saving his life and bringing him up? You think about Yocheved, who doesn't get a lot of credit. Barazner talks about in his shir on Shemos, many influential women in, in, the, in Shemos especially. You think about Yocheved, who, who gave birth who was given birth to between the walls of Egypt. She was counted as the 70th person. She had Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam very late in life. She, she, you know, her and her husband came back together to have, Mo, uh, to have Moshe after Miriam herself talked about the prophecy that there's going to be a savior and saying that you can't separate because you're doing a worse decree than Paro Paro decree to get rid of the males thrown into the river, but you're not even letting females come into the earth. So Miriam was also instrumental. And of course, Zipporah was Moshe's wife. And you think about 
who was the one that actually pulled Moshe out? You know, Moshe, the Egyptians kept a tally. We could say Egyptians were horrible, horrid people in those times especially, and they wanted to get rid of all the males. Infanticide, literally throwing male babies into the river. Horrible, horrible stuff. And some of the makos could have been as retribution for the blood turned to, the, the river turned to blood, which was showing the the evil of the, the babies that were really destroyed and the water turned against them, Hashem made, because of all the terrible things they did with water and hiding the babies. And Rabbi Foreman talks about this in one of his shirim on Aleph Beta. But in general, you know, Moshe, they kicked tally of all the babies who were born. So they knew Amram and Yochev got back together. They, 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 they knew somehow that uh, a, a baby was going to be born. So they kept tally, and nine months from then, you know, was going to be X date. But Hashem made a miracle that Moshe was a preemie who was born seven months old for, um, for uh, according to some commentators, the, life, the light filled up the house when he was born. One of his names is called Tov because the house was filled with light. And it was good. He seemed good. And some say he was born circumcised, maybe. But his mom was able to hide him for three months before anyone came around. Because, you know, nine months, really ten months of the whole process, they didn't come around to snatch the baby until they thought when he would be officially born. But since he was born at seven months, and really they were coming around at ten months after the nine full months of pregnancy, there was three months she had him. But then she couldn't hide him anymore. Because otherwise, what does it mean... She can't hide him anymore. All of a sudden, one day, she can't hide him. But if you take into the account, this commentator, I forget who says, maybe Rashi, for three months she was hiding him. And then at the end of three months, they came to snatch him. So they knew that they couldn't hide him anymore. So what did she do? She didn't want him to be snatched, especially if it's true that he would have been, he was going to be the savior. So she made this little teva, reminiscent of the teva of Noah, this little ark, this little teva to put Moshe inside. And she puts him on the water and the commentators point out the Gemara might even talk about how how Amram Moshe's dad was really mad because Miriam said the prophecy you know get back together you could bring children into the world now that a male came into the world what's going to happen and he gave her a patch on the cheek and saying look your foolish prophecies how is anything going to happen that's why it says she went to see what would happen with the child why is Miriam who's, who's like six years old at this time each kid is only three years apart. Moshe was born, um, and Aaron was three years older than him, and Miriam was three years older than him. They're only within six years of each other. So a six-year-old child is giving prophecy, which is crazy in and of itself. She's saying that Moshe is going to be a savior. The dad is really mad because, you know, they wanted to bring people into the world, and they wanted to, to bring Moshe into the world. And But what happens? They were going to snatch the baby, so they had to send away the baby. So why else would the Pusik say she went to see what would happen with him? Really... I believe the commentators again, maybe Rashi points out, she went to see what would happen with her prophecy. What would happen with Moshe? Let me see what's going to happen. If he's really meant to save the people, I'm going to watch from the reeds. I'm going to see what happens. I have real Amun, I have real Bitachon in my prophecy, in my vision. I know he has to be saved. Let me see how that's going to happen. And that's a lesson in and of itself for ourselves. So have such complete Amunah, such complete Bitachon, such complete faith in Hashem that you could go up against your own dad and stand up to such a stinging rebuke and such embarrassment of, of, of having that happen to you within your own family and still seeing what happens. I know that my Amuna is so strong. I know this is going to happen. Let's see what happens. And of course, Miriam is ultimately right. She watches from the, from the side of the river 
Moshe is put in the teva, this tiny, helpless, three-month-old baby. The waters could have been raging, they could have been calm. I don't know, she put tar in and out, whatever, so that it wouldn't smell so bad for Moshe, some say. But even on, uh, even in a best-case scenario, where would that ark end up? And somehow, lo and behold, it ends up at the side of the river. And who picks up Moshe? None other than Bas Paro, ultimate irony from Hashem. Who else could orchestrate that the daughter of the wicked, wicked, terrible, terrible king would take Moshe, the savior himself, into the palace itself? Crazy, crazy irony. So Basya, Basya, which is the name given to Bas Paro, they say in the commentator, she takes Moshe, she picks him up, she calls him Moshe ki mimayim mishisuhu, I took him from the water, and some say that she was an Egyptian, and the name that Moshe takes throughout his life is given from an Egyptian, none of the names from Hashem, or the other names are the ones that stick that we know him by, but this name, mishisuhu, interesting. Anyway, credit should be given to, to Basia because she reached out to take him. And the main aspect to focus on for me is talking about the idea that she stretches out her hand to take Moshe. What a craziness. She goes down. Some say she was going down to bathe. Some say she was going down to convert, which is also a fascinating um, idea that she wanted to be Jewish. She wanted to become Jewish. But we we're thinking about Shemos. Who's involved in influencing Moshe? Who was his pseudo-mother? Bastia herself. She rescued him from the river. Look at what the Pasuk says in Perak Bet, Pasuk Hei. Vatera es hateva besoch hasuf. Paro's daughter, Bastia, saw the box, saw the teva, saw the little ark with Moshe in it among the rushes, among the water. Vatishlach et amata. She sent her plain definition, Amata is made, but we'll talk about that in a second, to fetch it, and she took it. Who took it? Then May took it? Basya took it? Obviously, really, it's Basya, but on behalf of Basya, the maid got it. Gamar talks about all the time how when you send out an agent, you send out a servant, it's like done on your behalf. The Gamar talks about you send someone to marry you on your behalf. It works because they're mekabalin on your behalf. They're doing the kinyan, the transaction on your behalf. Lo Elena, we should never know from such things. Someone divorces someone with an agent, it takes effect. Especially in those respects, in marriage and the like. But she sends out this agent, or that's the plain definition, but we'll look at a second what that really means. The Talmud talks about and Rashi points out that when it says her maidservant, our sages in Gemara Sota talk about interpreted as an expression meaning a hand. The joint from the elbow to the tip of the middle finger is known as ama. Hence the cubit measure bearing the name ama, which is the length of the arm from the elbow to the tip of the middle finger. Following the rules of Hebrew grammar, however, it should have been vowelized amata with a dugish in the mem. They, however, interpret at amata to mean her hand as she stretched out her hand and her arm, her arm grew many cubits, amot, so that she could reach the basket. So basically, we're taking the word amata, we're doing wordplay, and it doesn't really mean her maidservant, it really means her arm, rather than her maid, because it's the arm length. This is that her arm was extended to many arm lengths, the very famous medrash, very famous idea that she enabled herself to reach the basket. Such an interesting concept. She sent 
her arm to reach the basket. She sent her arm out to try to grab the basket. How did she know she was going to be able to reach the basket? How did she know she was going to be able to cobble Moshe to grab Moshe and to save him from near certain death? The helpless three-month-old baby in the waters that have crocodiles and alligators and, and, and maybe even sharks and, and all kinds of crazy creatures. How would he have survived if not for her intervention, which of course was divine intervention from Hashem through the, shlucha, through the shliach of, of Bastia and her servant or really her arm. But she sent out her arm and her arm miraculously went and was able to reach Moshe. She had the emuna, She had the bitachon. She had the belief that by sending out her arm, by sending out her hand, she would reach it. She took the first step and Hashem guided her along the way, which is the main message of tonight's shir, of today's shir. We do our part. We send our arm we have to put in our effort and Hashem will take us the rest of the way. We have to take the first step. We have to move ourselves a little bit. We have to involve ourselves a little bit and Hashem will take us the rest of the way. We send our arm. We put our effort in something. We need to put ourselves in a situation of change, involving ourselves in an idea, a project, a concept, and Hashem will take us a little bit farther. Rav Mendel, Menachem Mendel of Kutz explains, as Chabad points out, and the sources are from Chabad.org, If Moshe's basket lay beyond her reach, lay beyond the reach of Basia, Basia, lay beyond the reach of the Bat Paro, why did Paro's daughter extend her arm? Could she possibly have anticipated the miracle that her hand would be extended for many arm lengths? There's a profound lesson here for each and every one of us, Rabbi Menachem Mendel of Kutz explains. Often we are confronted with a situation that is beyond our capacity to rectify. Someone or something is crying out for our help, but there is nothing we can do. By all natural criteria, the matter is simply beyond our reach. So we resign ourselves to inactivity, reasoning that the little we can do won't change matters anyway. But Paro's daughter heard a child's cry and extended her arm. An unbridgeable distance lay between her and the basket containing the weeping infant, making her action seem utterly pointless. But because she did the maximum of which she was capable, she achieved the impossible. Because she extended her arm, God extended its reach, enabling her to save a life and raise the greatest human being ever to walk the face of the earth. Many times it seems as if a situation is insurmountable. It seems as if a life circumstance, a life action, or the situation around us seems insurmountable, seems impossible. But Hashem asks us just to extend that arm, just to reach out your arm, just to put that arm out there. And I will take your arm. I will help you finish the task. I will help you along the way. And I would extend it further to say humbly, of course, I'm not a rabbi or anything, but I would humbly extend it. From Reb T here saying that we have to in life extend our harm, our arm. We have to do our hishtadlis. We have to put out our effort 
Start a little bit and Hashem will take us along the way. Hashem will bring us with Him. This brings to mind the idea that the Gemara talks about, the Talmud talks about, Whatever path you want to go, wherever you extend your ama, wherever you extend your arm and your reach and your influence and your ideas and your capabilities, Hashem will take you with you. Hashem will take your hand, will take your arm with you, literally will bring you along the path. Make sure it's a good path. Hashem will take you down the road you want to go. How do you think you got to your point in life to where you did today? Who decided where you go to elementary school and high school, where you go to college and if you went to grad school, what you would study, what job you would take and where you would live, what life circumstance you have and what influence you would have. Hashem saw the path you wanted to take and Hashem took you along that path. You extended your ama. You extended your hand, you extended your influence, you extended your reach, and Hashem took you along the way. Basya teaches us, Bas Paro teaches us, we must extend our arm a little bit to whatever situation, idea, project, mitzvah we want to latch on to, and Hashem will take us along the way. Hashem will take our arm and extend our arm to reach that idea, to reach that project, to reach that mitzvah, even, especially, when it seems impossible, it seems insurmountable, it seems not realistic, but Hashem can make anything possible. Hashem can make anything realistic. Hashem can make miracles happen, and He does make miracles happen every single day of our life. We're not relying on miracles, but we're saying that anything that seems that it's not possible, Hashem can make possible. The idea of the path you want to go down, Hashem will take you. All you need to do is start the process. All you need to do is extend your ama, extend your arm, extend your reach, and take the first step. The first step is always the scariest. The first step is always what seems so hard. Kol haschalot kashot, the Talmud Pergeavos, I believe, teaches us all beginnings are hard. Every beginning is difficult, but what you do is you take that first step. You extend your ama, you extend your hand the first time, and Hashem will bring you with Him. Hashem is always there with you. We talked about in a different week. You're never alone. Hashem is always with you. Even if you're the only person that believes in your project. You're the only person that believes in your innovation, in your idea. You're not the only person. Hashem is with you. Hashem takes you along for the path, for the ride, and you'll see where it goes. All you need to do is extend that amma. The Pirkei Avos teaches us, the Mishnah Pirkei Avos also teaches us, Lo alecha hamlacha legmor. Very famous phrase. A whole song was made about it. Lo alecha hamlacha legmor. V'lo ben charin lehiba tel mimena. I don't say it exactly as it is, but similar to that tune. Basically, it says, Lo alecha hamlacha legmor. It's not upon you to complete the work. Avo... But you are not able to not do it at all. You are not nullified. You're not allowed to stop at all. You're not allowed to be nullified from it. 
You have to take that first step. You have to extend your ama. You have to extend your reach. You have to put the first step. Once you put that first step, just like Basparo extended her arm, Hashem will take you along the way. We're not expecting miracles. We're not only hoping for miracles. We do our ishtadlis. We do our effort. We do our being involved. We do our capability. And Hashem will take you on the way. People talk about all the time. I had no idea what would happen when I started this organization. People say... I'm not talking about starting an organization, but just for an example. People say all the time, I never knew where this would go. I just knew I had a great idea and I had to put it out there. You think about the idea of dailygiving.org, a fantastic organization where they give a dollar a day. They didn't know where it would go in the beginning, but Hashem knew it was a good idea. Hashem put the idea in the founders' minds and it ballooned and blossomed over the time since it began to be an amazing thing. You think about United Hatzalah, the founder, Ellie Beer, he should be happy and healthy always. He had this amazing idea that the response time should be three minutes or less. Anywhere there's, God forbid, a need for Hatzalah, especially in Israel. He got these ambucycles and fantastic idea. You should watch his TED Talk. It's amazing. And Hashem took him along the way. He extended his ama. To do the idea, and Hashem took him along for the path and made it grow exponentially. You think about Masbia. You think about Tom Shabbos. You think about Boni Olam. Things we should never need. You think about Hatzal in general, and Chai Lifeline, Kitzikar, Jask, all these amazing organizations, and even Jewish institutions. You think about Toro. You think about Landers. You think about Yeshiva University. When they first started, someone had an idea. Someone had a concept. Someone had a picture in mind, and he or she extended their ama. They didn't know what would happen. They didn't know where it would go, but they knew in a burning passion in their heart that this is something that needs to be done. This is something that has to happen. I'm going to extend my ama. I'm going to extend my hand, and I hope Hashem will take me along the way. I hope Hashem will allow me to do great things with it. I hope Hashem will bring this idea to fruition. I hope something will happen. It also brings to the, um, the uh, mind the idea in Perkeavos, A phrase we talk about. In my own family, about my dad, how he was so larger than life, he stood stood up to the plate when nobody else would, in charge of nursing homes, in charge of being in Hatzalah, seeing patients, being good all around. I should be Zoha to live up to such a model, to such an example. But in general, we want to be that person to stand up where that idea is not there yet. How do you do such a thing? You extend your arm. You extend your hand. You step up to the plate and take that first step. I know it's scary starting an idea. I know it's terrifying opening up an innovation, a concept. Maybe you'll fall flat on yourself, but the Pasuk teaches us, Seven times a person, a righteous person may fall down, but he gets up again. That song, in secular society, I get knocked down, lahavda, lahavda, lahavda. Where do you think they got it from? I get knocked down, I get back up again. You're never going to keep me down. They, it was way, 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 centuries, centuries beforehand, the Jews, people already thought of it. Either Kohalas or Mishlein. Sheva Yipatzadik come. You might fall down again and again, you get right back up. No one said beginnings are easy. Perkelos also teaches Lafum Tsara Agra. 
According to the exertion is the reward. The more pain, the more gain comes from Judaism also. You put in the effort, you will see the reward. You put that first foot foot forward. You put that ama extended forward and Hashem will take you along the way. Any concept, any idea this applies to. It's also the idea that Hashem says, li machat ke, 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 I forget the exact phraseology, but basically Hashem says, you open up a tiny hole for me, the size of a needle, and I will blast it open like the gates of Shemayim, or whatever the allegory is, or the muscle is. You open a little opening for me, I will come in and smash it and make an entire opening to allow Hashem into your life, into your heart. You take that first step, Hashem will blast down the doors for you. Hashem will take you along the way. We just have to have the Amunah to realize this and to have it ever present in your life. We just have to put an hour hishtadlus, put an hour small effort and Hashem can and will do the rest. Show that you are trying. Show that you are pushing to do good every day. Hashem will be there to guide you all along the way. For me, this is what happened with my shiurim, with my podcast. On a personal note, not to sound uh, uh, just talking about myself, but just to give a personal example. You know, I never knew where this show would go or where any of the shows would go. The one about DAF where we talk three minutes or so about the DAF a little less. And the OT show where we try to talk ten minutes or less how to make life a little more functional and independent. The Pikeyavo show where we talk 10 minutes about a mission and some practical lessons. This show where we try to talk about the partial with practical lessons. And the lecture show where we talk about a topic per session with some practical lessons. I didn't know where it would go, but I knew in my heart, passionately, I need to do this. I need to complete it. I need to bring it to fruition. I need to start. I need to take that first step. Let's see where it goes. Let's see where Hashem takes it. Hashem would not put it in my heart. Hashem would not put it in my mind unless Hashem himself thought it was a good idea. Because good ideas only come from Hashem. Good concepts only come from Hashem. And even if rejection after rejection comes, that it can't be published or it can't be put on a website or whatnot, or I can't reach any organization, it's so frustrating. I know this is a good concept. Hashem knows it's a good concept, and that should be good enough for me. I know it's a good concept. Hashem put it in my mind, so Hashem knows it's a good concept, I believe, I hope, and that's good enough for me. I take the first step. Hashem puts the idea in mind, talk a little bit about the Parsha. Chabad gives great sources and take a message from there. The lecture, think about a topic that we could relate to, put some stories, some ideas and sources in it. The daf, think about one line of Gemara, one paragraph of Gemara that jumps out at me. Take a lesson from that. Perkeavos, think about the beautiful morals and ethics and take a lesson from that. OT, think about things you love that could be functional, independent. Take a lesson from that. These are different things that I feel should be in the world and that I work on. And I took that first step because Hashem put it in my mind. I had to extend my ama, extend your ama, any idea, any innovation, any project. I say this so often, but it always bears repeating. Hashem recently put in my mind a kid Jewish book activity idea, which I think is wonderful. Thanks to Hashem. I don't think it's been done yet. Hashem put into my mind, I got to extend that foot. I got to do it. I have to do it. I might get rejected again and again, and I might have to self-publish it. Then so be it. Because I know 
Hashem put it on my mind. I know it's a good idea. I don't think it's been, been done before. Definitely not the way Hashem put it in my mind. I will extend my Amma Blinender. And I hope in Mirz Hashem, it'll be great. I hope it'll be great. You know, I find the idea. I write down the ideas. I describe exactly what I want to see. I find an illustrator. I put together a preview. I send it to a company. Let's see what happens. Hashem will take you along the way. You extend your ama. You extend your hand in whatever aspect of life and not just a project or an innovation, an idea. A mitzvah itself. You extend your ama. You do what you can. You try to do achnasas orchim. You try to do biker cholim. You be nicham avelim. Hashem will get you along the way. You want to make that shiva visit, but you just don't have time in the day. Hashem will take you along the way. You want to visit your friend. You want to drive him along the way. You want to bring him food, but you just don't have time. Hashem will make it happen. You tell Hashem what you want to do. He'll take you along the path. He'll bring you along the path. That's why people can't say, I don't have the time. I don't have the capability. I don't have the ability. Who am I? What can I do? Hashem gave every single person unique capabilities, unique characteristics, things that are idiosyncratic to you and you alone. You were never were here before your exact soul in this exact moment. There never was someone before like you. There's no one someone like you right now, even if you have a twin. And there will not be someone like you in the future. I say that phrase all the time in all the shows. It's true. You need to do what you can to contribute to the world. Show what you can. Don't tell me I don't have the time. Don't tell me I don't have the effort. If you could sit down and watch TV for 15 hours, you have the time. If you could sit down and do Narish Guide for 30 hours, you have the time. If you waste time on garbage, perusing news sites, or needlessly being anxious and looking at crazy things around the world because you're so worried about the world, you have the time. You're just not using the time right. You should be able to use every minute of the day. I know I have to see kids from X to X. I know my days from this to this. And then I know the next hour I have to prepare dinner. Then I know I have to give dinner. And then I know I have to do baths. Then I hang out with my wife. And then I do the sheer. And then I rest myself. And then I sleep. I got to make sure that I figure out how my day is going around. How my day is structured. You can find the time. But you can't make up the time. Lost time is a terrible thing, but you can figure out how to make up the time. People may say, I don't have the time. I can't do this project. I can't take on this ende- en- endeavor. But if it's meant to be, if you extend your ama, Hashem will figure out how it'll all figure in. I think about myself, how I try to juggle everything, the house stuff, the, the job, my own job, kids stuff, my audio shows, the co- the side book a Jewish kid activity project. Now I took on a fieldwork student and daily stuff. Somehow Hashem makes it work out. Especially if it's something Torah related. It's something important that Hashem wants to see. Hashem will make it work out. You extend your Abba. You extend your hand. You extend your arm. Hashem will get you the time, the energy, and the ability to do so. You put in your extension and Hashem will extend your abilities far beyond what you thought possible. We may not think our idea, our ideas, our projects, our help, or our mitzvahs will go anywhere, but that's not true. You extend your armor, you extend your influence, however you know how, and we will affect someone or something. All we need to do is extend that armor. Hashem will take our hand and bring it with him, with us. We may never know the effects we have on others, 
We may never know how we affect or effect others, but we can try and hope to influence those around us. Sometimes we do see the effect of our actions. My wife and I, Blaine Nader, Blaine Harmir Tashem, try many, very often weeknights to read these beautiful lessons in Emunah from Rabbi David Ashir. Amazing, amazing book about working on Emunah, faith, bitachon, belief, and trust in Hashem. A lesson a day. It's really usually one to two pages or two and a half pages. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. There's an amazing story from Rabbi David Ashir in Living Emunah 2 from pages 54 to 55. I must relate this story to you. It hit me earlier today and I'm like, this story we have to read, we have to share. So this is Living Emunah 2 from 54 to 55. A man from Eretz Yisrael, from Israel, told a story that began over 30 years ago, around two months before his and his twin brother's bar mitzvah. Their father, who had grown up in the United States but raised his family in Eretz Yisrael, brought the twin boys on a trip to his hometown. And one day they went to visit his old friend who was a rabbi. When they arrived at the rabbi's house, he was rushing to leave. He apologetically explained that he needed to go save a life. They asked what he meant. And he explained that a couple in his congregation waited 10 years for a child. Lo'aleinu. And now the child was suffering from a rare illness. The doctor said that the prognosis was not promising. His only chance of survival was a certain procedure which cost $20,000. All of which had to be paid up front. The couple had only $10,000 and the rabbi was going to raise the remaining sum necessary. The man who told the story turned to his father and asked him to donate $10,000 to help this child. This trip is costing me a lot of money, the father said. I also need money for your bar mitzvah. I cannot afford another $10,000. With a great deal of strength, the boy told his father he was prepared to forgo a bar mitzvah celebration for the sake of saving this baby. Amazing. The other brother agreed. Twins. And the father wrote a check for $10,000 and handed it to the rabbi. A couple of months later, back in Eretz in Israel, the twins celebrated the bar mitzvah at home over a home-cooked dinner with a few friends and relatives. In the middle of the meal, to their surprise, the rabbi from the United States walked in and he asked to speak. He explained to the guests why the boys were celebrating their bar mitzvah at home rather than in a banquet hall and told how they decided to donate their money, all of their money for the simcha the parents would have had to spend on a lavish party to save a baby. We have a committee representing many chesed organizations, the rabbi proceeded to explain, and the committee unanimously decided to give to these two boys the award for the greatest act of kindness of the year. The rabbi presented the boys with a beautiful plaque and informed them that the procedure was successful and the boy was expected to live. The family and guests celebrated that night like they had never celebrated before. What a beautiful mitzvah. What a beautiful thing to do. These two young children. 22 years later, The man who told this story made a bar mitzvah for his own son. His father and twin brother joined him and his family for the celebration and they reminisced about the bar mitzvah. 
All of a sudden, that rabbi from the United States walked in, though this time he was aged, older, accompanied by a young couple and their two young children. The family welcomed the rabbi in and invited him to speak, but he declined, instead handing the microphone to the young husband. 22 years ago, the man said, you and your brother gave up your bar mitzvah party to help save a baby's life. I've been waiting my entire life for the opportunity to thank you because I was that baby. You saved my life. Here is my wife and my two little children. Your good deed brought a whole family to the world. May Hashem reward you for eternity for giving us life. Everyone in attendance was brought to tears. Once again, they celebrated like they had never celebrated before. This fascinating, amazing, beautiful story can bring to us to mind the idea that Rabbi Ashir tells himself in the end of this lesson. We can never imagine the profound, far-reaching impact of the good deeds we perform. We extend our ama, I would insert, and sometimes we see the beautiful, lasting effects of that extended arm's reach. Hashem should always help us see the opportunities we have to perform mitzvos, and may we always be wise enough to seize them, Rabbi Asher teaches us. We need to extend our amma. We need to extend our hand. We need to put our hand where it needs to go, but we need to extend that first step. We need to take that first step. We need to be involved in putting forth our arm, putting forth our hand, putting forth our effort as much as we can. We put in our hishtada, we put in a small effort, and Hashem can and will do the rest. Learn from Basya, who's an unspoken, un, under-realized figure, hero in the story of Moshe. If not for her, there would really be no Moshe. She saved Moshe, and how did she save Moshe? She extends her arm. She extends her ama. It could have been 30 feet away. Could have been 60 feet, 100 feet away. Could have even been 5 feet away, but our arm can only be X, X amount of, of feet, X amount of inches to reach, and it probably didn't reach even if it was 5 feet away. But she extended her ama. She extended her arm. She tried to do the insurmountable. She tried to do the impossible, and Hashem made it possible. Hashem made it probable, and Hashem made it able to be done. In our lives, you have an idea, you have a concept, you have an innovation, or there's a mitzvah that you want to be involved in, but you think you don't have the time. You think you don't have the capability. You think you don't have the energy. Narishkeit. Pumfakert. Just the opposite. You figure out your day. You figure out where your time goes and you can make it fit into your day. That's why one of my favorite phrases, which I feel applies to our life, especially personally, you want to get something done, you give it to a busy person. Why? Because they will figure out how to do it and get it done. Our days are very busy. We have three little kids. You know, we have jobs. My wife and I have jobs. I have these side shows, these side projects. You want to get something done. 
We'll get it done. In your life, in our lives, we should make sure to be busy with Avodah Hashem. Busy with Torah, busy with Chesed. Don't just sit around doing nothing for hours. That's the antithesis of a good, fulfilling Torah life, a good, working Torah life. What's going to happen with those hours? Wasted hours, God forbid. I'm not telling you not to rest and relax at the end of the day, especially with your spouse especially with family and friends, it's great. But make sure the rest of your day is powerful and power-packed with Torah, mitzvahs, and ches and making a difference in the world. All you have to do is extend your ama. All you have to do is put forth your hand. Put forth your effort. Take that first step. I understand it may be difficult. I understand it may be hard. It's very difficult. Exertion equals reward. I know it's hard, but what Basya teaches is paspar among many things. But the lesson for us to take away at least is you need to put forth your ama. Extend your arm. Extend your hand. Be involved a little bit. And it'll take you along the whole way. Do what you can. Be involved. Even take what you love to do. I don't care. Especially do that. I would say, do what you love to do. And figure out how to do it in a Torah way, In a mitzvah way, In a chesed way. That's the way to do things. We put in our hishtadlet. We think about how to help those around us. We be involved and understand that But you're only going to be able to be if you actually take your ragel, take your foot and start walking, start having halicha on the way. Hashem will take you on the way if you start the way. Hashem will bring you along the way if you put your foot forward to start walking on the path. Hashem can't take you down a path that you haven't started to go yourself. You need to extend your ama. You need to extend your foot. You need to extend your influence, extend your ability to help those around you, to be involved in those around you, especially through Torah, through chesed, and through 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 mitzvahs in every single way. Bastia teaches us we need to extend our arm, extend our influence, take our hand, even if it seems insurmountable, even if it seems impossible, nothing is impossible to Hashem. And when you realize that Hashem is always by your side, Hashem is always with you, then really anything can be done in this world, especially in a Torah way. This has been the Audio DT with Reb T, and I'm your host, Reb T.